World War III is one of the next two events on God's prophetic timeline. Scripture foretells where this war will originate, and we will discuss some recent events in this volatile region, the Euphrates River region, between the world's two leading nuclear superpowers on this edition of The End Time Show. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of the End Time Show. World War III, mentioned in Revelation 9, verse 13 through 16, states, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. We always have to consider that when we're looking at World War III. The Bible's very, very specific. It didn't mention any other river on the planet. It said they're bound in the great river Euphrates, and the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, a day, a month, and a year, for to slay the third part of man. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, or 200 million, and I heard the number of them. So folks, I'm, I'm not coming to you today with some kind of scare tactic. I'm coming to you today telling you that this is the Bible, and in the giant timeline of events that God, Almighty God, gave us in the Bible from Ezekiel, Zechariah, Daniel, uh, all those Old Testament prophets, all the way to Revelation chapter 22, that World War III is one of the next two events to occur on God's prophetic timeline. World War III and the Israeli-Palestinian Peace Agreement are the next two events that we're watching for. There is the ongoing fulfillment of the world government, the world religion, the uh, precursors to the mark of the beast. We are watching all these things. Precursors to building of the third temple, the red heifers. There are so many prophecies that the... Um, rebirth of the, the Holy Roman Empire and, and the ongoing fulfillment of that prophecy. So many that we're watching and everything that ties into that. But before we have to worry about the mark of the beast, before we have to worry about the Antichrist or the world government or the world religion, we are watching those things being established right now. But before we have to worry about that, we're going to have a World War III scenario. The Bible says it will kill one-third of all of mankind. Back in November, we just passed, according to the United Nations, we just passed 8 billion in population on the planet. So this war, according to Scripture, will kill over 2.7, what, 2.7, 2.8 billion people with a B. And so we have to talk about this right now and to keep you up to date on it and to know what's going on because um, you and I will face this scenario in just the very near future. Some people believe we're already in World War III with the Israel, Iran, and the United States and it just hasn't escalated to the point where we would have mass casualties. 
But I know that many people have talked about the Russia-Ukraine situation. Many people are talking right now about the China-Taiwan situation. And all of these could be tied into World War III in some form or fashion. But the Bible specifically says, the, loose the four angels bound in the great river Euphrates. Now, I know Iran has very close ties to Russia and has very close ties to Taiwan. Iran is one of the four nations that house the Euphrates River. Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. I, I totally understand that. But I, I, I just want us to keep an eye on this because, and you say, well, how should we prepare, prepare and all these other different things? I, I'm asking myself those same things. Number one, I'm going to prepare spiritually. Number, one, number two, um, there's probably nothing wrong with maybe, you know, I, I don't know where all this war will reach, how far it will reach. I know it's going to start in the Euphrates River region, and then it's going to spread out around the world. You'd have to to kill one-third of the world's population. So, you know, would it hurt to prepare some, something, you know, uh, for uh, any kind of a catastrophe? Maybe have some food stored up, uh, a generator or uh, anything like that. I mean, Doug Norvell just had electricity go out at his house for like three or four days in East Texas. And he had two generators. He was prepared for it. But there were a lot of people out there that couldn't get a generator. They were going to Lowe's and different places and trying to get generators. They couldn't get them. They were without power for three or four days. So any kind of a situation like that, you say, Dave, you're trying to scare me. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you, this is the Bible and it's going to happen. There's not one-tenth of one percent chance that this war will not happen. It's going to happen. And... I want to make sure that we understand it and are watching the scenarios going on around the world. Now, especially in the Euphrates River region. And I want to talk to you about a couple scenarios. One that's been going on over the last couple months and one that went on a few years ago that could have led to a world war. We were, we were could have right there on the cusp of it because the two nations that have the... the that are nuclear superpowers, the two main ones, Russia and the United States, they control 90% of the world's nuclear arsenal. And they were battling right there on the shores, on the banks of the Euphrates River. This is back in 2018, and I'm going to go through a story here, so uh, I just want you to have an idea what's going on. Now, the first story I want to go through is from Air and Space, the Air and Space Forces magazine. It's titled, Russia Continues the Dangerous Flights in Syria, Risking an International Incident. And a few excerpts from the article state, Russian aircraft have flown near United States forces in Syria almost two dozen times. This would have been a couple, uh, about a month and a half or so ago. Two dozen times as Russian warplanes continued their aggressive maneuvers in the, in the country of Syria, according to American officials. Since March 1, Russian warplanes violated airspace in Syria that is supposed to be controlled by the United States, get this folks, 85 times. And they conducted 26 armed overflights of our United States positions. Not supposed to be there. They don't care. Air Forces, that, um, the Air Force's Central Spokeswoman Captain Lauren Linscott told Air and Space Magazine, this would have been back on uh, April 28th. 
That marks an uptick of 22 incidents since Air Force Central began to raise the alarm on April 19th when it counted 63 violations. The number of armed overflights remains unchanged. At times, Russian warplanes have come within 500 feet of U.S. Air Force aircraft. 500 feet. Russian warplanes, folks. Now, we're going to talk about some more World War III scenarios when we get back from the break. And we'll talk about another scenario that happened in 2018 that you should know about because we were on the brink of World War III at that point and many people didn't even know about it. It was just in very few news sources. A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now available for pre-order at endtime.com slash ABC. Go to endtime.com slash ABC or call 800-END-TIME. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800 endtime That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning End Time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. Well, welcome back, everybody. And I want to let you know, if you're in the, um, it would be, what, southeast Texas, southwest Louisiana, or anywhere around south Texas, somewhere south Louisiana, I'm going to be in Vider, Texas, this coming weekend. Uh, my wife and I will be there. I'll be at Eastgate Church on 18905 Interstate 10, and that's in Vider, Sunday morning, June 25th at 10 a.m., I'll be teaching the understanding of the end time. We'll have an evangelistic service. It's going to be awesome. Sunday night at 5 p.m., I'll be teaching uh, about breaking prophecy news. A lot of things happening in the news right now. A lot of times we don't have time to go through everything on the radio. A lot of times I can cover that at conferences. And then Monday uh, uh, at the same church at 7 p.m., this will be June 26th, at the church, they have a giant prayer meeting, uh, about three or four hundred people, and we're going. I'll be teaching the future according to Bible prophecy, and potentially maybe doing some Q and A. I don't know. So 
Uh, join me down there in Vider, Texas. All the information is on our website. Uh, go there, check it out, um, and go to endtime.com. Go to events, conferences, and looking forward to a great conference in Vider, Texas this weekend. Now, I want to I go through this the statement I just made right before we went um, to the break there because I want you to really, really catch this. Over the last couple months, Russian aircraft, Russian warplanes have come within 500 feet of U.S. Air Force aircraft in Syria. And the, the thing is, uh, it goes on to say the Russians are not the only problem. The U.S. has also faced deadly attacks by Iranian-backed militia groups on U.S. facilities in eastern Syria. Now, on, uh, back on March 23rd, a U.S. contractor was killed in Hasaka, Syria, in a drone attack. The contractor was a, a maintainer working on vehicles used by joint terminal attack controllers supporting the Air Force operations. Two U.S. Air Force F-15E Strike Eagles responded by launching strikes on facilities that were linked to the Iranian Revolutionary Guards. And Iranian-backed forces then launched their own response with more aerial attacks. But you don't hear about this in the news every day, do you? The Iranian and Russian threats are increasingly intertwined and that's uh, that uh, many U.S. officials are reporting on that. So it's not just Russia, but you have Iran as well. Iran is providing drones for uh, Russia, did you know that, again, to use against Ukraine. And in turn, Iranian officials said that they have been promised Russian fighter jets. U.S. commanders in the region have expressed concern about the growing alignment of the two sides. Well, I know they're going to be in complete alignment in the end time. Because Ezekiel 38 says that Russia, Gog and Magog, and Persia, they're going to be some of the ones that lead the charge against Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. So Russia and China, or Russia and Iran will be in alliance all the way from here on. Now, the Bible doesn't mention China, though. Even though there is the Russian-China-Iran axis right now. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe China's going to be wiped out in this Third World War. I don't want anybody to be wiped out, but the Bible says it's going to happen. Now, the United States is in Syria. Yeah, that, that may be a question you have. Why is the United States in Syria? Well, we're in Syria to fight, originally to fight ISIS, but we're there um, assisting local partner forces and conducting raids against this the militant group of ISIS, the little pockets and things. And America has around... 900 troops in Syria, eastern Syria. Russia is supporting the regime of Bashar al-Assad. Now, again, Russia, the United States, they control 90% of the world's nuclear arsenal. And, and over the last couple months, some of their warplanes have come within 500, uh, what did it say, 500 yards or something like that of our, um, 500 feet of our U.S. aircraft. Now, Air Forces Central has called the incidents unsafe, unprofessional, with risk putting U.S. airmen and troops at risk. Uh, U.S. officials have said they believe American forces will conduct themselves professionally, and the, the Air Force follows uh, proper protocols. U.S. officials have said that the Russian pilots are trying to elicit a reaction. Why in the world they would want to pick the fight with the United States, I have no idea. 
I don't think they would do this under Donald Trump, would you? Maybe under Joe Biden, they saw the Afghanistan situation. Maybe they're not so worried. Maybe that'll lead to World War III. I don't know. But the U.S. officials have said it is possible they're trying to engender an international incident. Well, I can tell you, World War III is coming, folks. There, again, there's not any percent of a, percentage of a chance that it's not going to. And again, before we, get, before we have to even worry about the mark of the beast, before we have to worry about a world religion, the world government and all these things, those are going to come later on. The World War III is going to be the entrance ramp for the Antichrist. Because on the heels of a world war, in the mind of the international community, the last two world wars, the, 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 the answer to that has been world government. Well, on the heels of World War III, that's when we were going to move off into a fully functioning world governing body. Nations will yield up their sovereignty, their armies, all of their guns to this world government. That's what's going to happen. The, and the Antichrist will eventually usurp authority over that world governing body. Now, let me give you a scenario that you may not have heard of because when I read this story, my, my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter and I, when we read this story back in 2018, it was like in Debka file and a few other little, just a few news sources, very few, like one or two. And they had a couple little paragraphs. And I thought, man, something big happened, but they're not giving out hardly any details on it. Well, that's because it almost kicked off a World War III situation. It could have. Because, you're again, Russia and the United States, I don't want you to forget this, they control 90% of the world's nuclear arsenal. Imagine those two going at it. So what? several years ago, again, I read about this, news, uh, this conflict and just a few news sources with limited information. And, but the difference is, is that over the last um, just a few days, we've now been given a full account of what happened. And I think it's something that you should hear about because World War III is going to originate in the very region where this happened. When I saw it, I thought, oh my goodness, here we go. And then it kind of died down. But now we have Russia flying within 500 feet, warplanes within 500 feet of our U.S. military uh, in Syria. And as you listen to this story, the, the details of what happened, I want you to keep in mind the Russia-Iran-China alliance and now all this could tie in to what's going on in Syria now. You don't hear, there's not a ton of news sources that are um, reporting on what's going on in Syria. And, you know, I, that's another thing. There's a lot of people that aren't really talking. They talk about World War III scenarios like <gasps> from a political standpoint. They're not looking at it from a prophetic standpoint. They say, well, you know, I've read many articles about how can we prevent World War III. We're not going to prevent World War III. World War III is going to happen. I don't want it to, but it's prophesied in Scripture, and the prophecies always come to pass. Now, some folks believe that we are already in World War III, and it is yet to escalate into mass casualties. So, when we get to this uh, information that I wanted to share with you, it comes from the war horse. That, that's a, a, a news source that you can go to. The title of the article is Special Forces Soldiers Reveal First Details. Again, back when I read it years ago, or there was only uh, maybe one or two paragraphs in a little thing. It was just like a hush-hush. 
Well, now they, they talked to three guys that were actually there, and they're giving details of this battle with these Russian mercenaries in Syria. So I'm going to give you some excerpts from this article to give you uh, 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 t- so that you can get the full um, gravity of the situation and what happened here. And remember the prophecy, though, because it's going to tell you where this happened. It was on the banks of the Euphrates River, literally, in Deir Azor in East Syria. So it says this. Explosions flashed in the fogging in the fog hanging over the Euphrates River like a coming summer storm. This was a fair fight, and the U.S. troops were driving into it. In February of 2018, the American Special Forces team deployed to Syria as part of the ongoing campaign against ISIS that began back in 2015. And but after months of successful operations against ISIS. The team now faced a new adversary. Around 500 pro-Syrian government forces, including Russian mercenaries from the Wagner Group. And they launched a nearly four-hour attack on a small group of 40 American special um, operations troops and their Syrian Democrat forces, uh, allies at the Conoco Natural Gas Refinery in East Syria. The Wagner Group seized oil and gas fields in Syria to protect them from the, uh, for the Assad government, with mercenaries earning a share of production proceeds. According, this was according to American officials. But while the group included some Syrian government uh, soldiers and militias, American military and intelligence officials were determined the, they determined the majority were of these guys were private. Uh, Russian paramilitary mercenaries likely affiliated with the Wagner Group, which is a, it's a company that's frequently used by the Kremlin to carry out objectives without appearing to be directly linked to the Russian government. Okay, Now, you thought Russia was perfect, didn't you? <laughs> but no, 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 they, 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 they are doing some dastardly things around the world. Now, I'm not saying everything they do, but uh, they just have some, you know, Uh, not-so-nice things going on. Let's just say that. Well, exclusive interviews with three former Special Forces soldiers who fought in the battle. They're now coming out with some of the first details about the clash from the American troops on the ground. And this is the first public on-the-record account from participants of one of the deadliest battles the American military has faced in Syria since they were deployed to fight ISIS in 2014, under the Obama administration. The possibility of Russian military forces and American troops that were colliding in Syria was a constant concern as the adversaries took opposing sides in Syria's seven-year civil war. This was back in February of 2018. This battle became one of the rare occasions that American and Russian combatants engaged fire. Now, this was something that we were hoping to avoid in Syria, Russia and the United States going at it, but they absolutely did in this battle, and it was kept, remember, it was kept hush, 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 hush. And Israel's Debka file, I think, reported on it. I think there was one other news source that reported on it, and that was it, that I remember. But during a lull in, while they were having this battle, during a lull in the artillery barrage, 
the Quick Reaction Force, the QRF, made up of uh, American Green Berets and Marines, they finally arrived at the refinery and unleashed a barrage of, of gunfire, turning the tide of the battle. But the QRF's success was short-lived. Over the ridge, one of the Special Forces soldiers spotted the worst-case scenario. When he looked over the ridge, there were Russian tanks that were slowly advanced toward the refinery. Now, folks, this is the first time I knew about this. I just read the article today. I, I am in world news every single day. I knew about this, this uh, conflict, but I didn't know any of this detail. And it gets more detailed than this. They saw these Russian tanks that were advancing toward the refinery, this Conoco refinery. The Wagner Group, which, uh, again, a private Russian military company, basically, has been accused of committing war crimes in multiple conflicts around the world. The Syrian battlefield was a a confusing three-way shooting range with American forces and their SDF allies battling ISIS fighters, even as pro-Syrian forces and their Wagner Group allies were uh, also hunted the terrorist. And then, of course, there was ISIS. So the oil-rich province of Deir Azor bordered Iraq. And listen at this. I'm quoting here. The Euphrates River divided the conflicting factions. That was the dividing line. Russia was on one side of the river. The United States and ISIS was on the other. Now, the Bible says, imagine I'm a prophecy teacher. I understand Revelation 9, 13 through 21. Have written, taught on it over the years, written many articles on that. And the Bible says that they are going to, that the um, World War III is going to emanate out of this region. I watch Iran like a hawk. I watch Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran like a hawk. Well, I was watching what was going on with ISIS. I knew Russia was there. I knew the United States was there. And there were many other nations as well. But I'm sitting there watching this. And then I saw just a couple little paragraphs in Debka file, and I thought, what in the world? They said they killed like 400 um, of these people that were building a land bridge across this, the, the uh, Euphrates River one night, and we went down and killed them. Well, it actually got a little bit more detailed than that. Believe, And this is the story. American Special Forces had at their disposal several Oshkosh MATVs and MRAPs that were mounted on unmanned, um, an unnamed truck. Combat vehicles were armed with remote-controlled combat modules with 12.7 by 99 or 50 um, BMG machine guns. So, the enemy infantry managed to get to a distance of less than one kilometer, but they were destroyed with machine gun fire. Now, I'm not going to have time to go through the entire battle scene that happened. I'm going to kind of cut that short. You can read the article in the uh, that was published in the War Horse titled, uh, Special Forces Soldiers Reveal for the First Details of the battle with Russian mercenaries in Syria. But I want to make sure that you get this account here because the Bible says it's going to emanate from this confliction zone where these guys were fighting, World War III. You need to understand these things because you don't want to be, um, you know, kept aside from what all these different things are happening around the world. Except a man is born again. He can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself. You are essential. You still matter. 
This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is. That's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME. Or go to endtime.com. Now, you can only imagine being our special forces. We've got about 40 guys there. And at this point, all 10 enemy tanks are on the offensive. They're advancing. And the Americans had no anti-tank weapons. So, to say the least, they were in trouble, right? The Russian tanks were about 2,000 meters away at this point, which in a tank battle means they were very close range. But the Russian crew lacked the night vision capability to move at a very quick pace. So, Andrew and Chauncey, two of these guys that they interviewed that were there fighting, these special force guys, they come up with this hasty plan. They said, hey, without aircraft cover they'd have to abandon the Conoco plant. And Chauncey asked Andrew, he said, well, hey, man, what's up with the aircraft? And he was fighting to get aircraft on station, and Andrew called back to the commandos, and he said, hey, you guys got anything? And no one had an answer on the aircraft. They were wanting aircraft support. Well, Andrew didn't know that the Russians had an anti-craft missile system active, denying the airspace. So, meanwhile, on the ground, our special forces team, uh, it looked like they were going to die without any help, right? Well, they had to slow down the tanks while the team and the commandos consolidated and waited for the air cover. But Andrew knew they couldn't leave. And that would open the path for a large Russian force to continue north and nothing stopping it from reaching the American support base and controlling the region that his team had just spent months clearing of ISIS. And so it also gave them access to a network of oil and natural gas refineries in the region. So he said, keep shooting and marking any, anything armored with tracers uh, for when the aircraft checks in. Well, Chauncey knew that the team was united, and they called the team a, a pirate ship because if anything happened, They were all going to go down together. Now, these are our American Special Forces. These guys are the elite, okay? And I wouldn't want to mess with any of them. And I thank God every day for our military. If you've served in the military, if you're a policeman, it's irrelevant. Thank you so much for your service because it's because of you guys. I have the freedom to get here and talk about whatever I want to on the radio. So thank you so much. All of you military members, male, female, thank you. God bless each and every one of you that are out there on the front lines. 
So, they were all going to go down together. And now, facing these tanks, that was the, uh, 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 is a real chance. It was a real trial here. So, despite recent showings on the battlefields of Ukraine, the tank, it was still an apex predator on the battlefield. And so, the American special forces didn't have a weapon that could stop them. And it was like being stalked by a turtle. They were going really, really slow. And with, with every minute, the tanks were slowly closing in. And Chauncey keyed in his mic and he said, Hey, you guys, we're going to stay and fight. Well, none of the rest of the guys questioned his order. But privately, for the second time in the battle, Josh considered the chances of survival. He's sitting there thinking, is this special forces uh, in the trenches? He was thinking, man, uh, he'd already tempted fate with a, a headlamp incident that he had. He accidentally turned on a headlamp and showed him exactly where he was at. But it was only a matter of time before the tanks would be close enough to hit the MATV trucks that they were in. And despite being armored, they stood no chance against these tanks, 125-millimeter cannon. So, despite the long odds, the American trucks continued to fire at the oncoming tanks and Russian positions. The tanks... Uh, the tank gun barrels flashed under the green hue of the night vision goggles as the shells whistled overhead. The special forces trucks sat on the berm, and they were easy targets had the Russian been able to shoot at night, but they didn't have night vision. And despite closing in, uh, every, tank, every tank round missed. But the tanks were getting closer, 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 with one less than a kilometer away despite a steady stream of fire from the American trucks. So from the corner of his eye, this guy named Chauncey saw a flash. The first tank, which had closed to less than a kilometer, it it exploded in a massive fireball. So he looks around, he cranes his neck to see out of the the small bullet-resistant windows, and before Chauncey got an answer, a tank farther to the west exploded as two pairs of Apache attack helicopters flew overhead. Once they cleared the berm, the attack helicopters opened fire with the chain uh, gun under the cockpit, uh, raking Russian fighting positions. The special forces team lit up the advancing tanks with machine gun fire as the Apaches circled for another run. As soon as they saw us shoot something, it blew up. And Chauncey said, they cut through the tanks. And they just came in and laid waste for the next probably 45 minutes. They just destroyed everything. The Apaches arrived just in time. Josh, one of these other guys of special forces, he vividly remembers hearing the the chain guns go off and then more rocket uh, striking the tanks. He said, I am a full believer that without the air uh, that responded to us on our station, we would all have been a bunch of grease stains on the earth in a line uh, in, in an oil field in Syria. Things were looking up when a battle captain in the commander center radioed, Andrew, hey, just be advised, there's an incoming bomber, the battle captain said. Roger said, a- a- Andrew said, um, Roger that, happy to have more air cover. And the battle captain said, no, dude, it's a Russian bomber that's inbound. Oh, so American aircraft at that time had superiority, air superiority uh, over Syria. But if the Russians were sending in a bomber that changed, that obviously changes the battlefield calculus, right? So 
Andrew got on the team net and warned them about the incoming Russian uh, enemy bomber. But they, uh, Andrew said, "But what you want with what do you want with it? But there, there's nothing we can do." And he said, "Just tighten your helmet and lock the doors." Imagine sitting there in a truck and your commander says, "Hey, just tighten your helmet and lock the doors. You got a bomber coming in." Well, for the next several minutes, Andrew waited for the bomber. Would it drop or drop something on them or just buzz by them? He didn't really know what was going on. Well, he'd survived a tank battle already, but this was worse. A 500-pound bomb would kill his whole team. Well, just before the bomber was supposed to arrive, the battle captain called back. He said, man, there's no bomber. The Russians had turned back. An hour later, the Russian fighters started to retreat. Russian and American officials declared a ceasefire, and the special forces watched as the mercenaries and Syrian fighters returned to collect their dead. Bodies and burnt vehicles were laid out in front of them. It was two hours until dawn. They had been fighting almost all night, and the team watched from the berm as the Russians cleared the field. The next day, one of our special forces named Chauncey saw coverage of the battle on CNN. He said it sounded clinical and watered down, nothing like we had experienced the night before. He said, we went through four to 6,000 rounds of 50 caliber that night. And Andrew said, I think the total battle damage assessment after the fact was like 350 killed. The exact casualty count for that February 7th fight is unclear, but sources have estimated between 100 to 300 Russian and pro-Syrian fighters were killed or wounded in the battle. Russian officials claim only five Russian citizens had died. But audio recordings of the Wagner Group soldiers suggested hundreds of mercenaries were killed. Nine of those ten enemy tanks were destroyed, as well as all six artillery pieces. The Special Forces team destroyed the lone surviving tank a few days later. And Chauncey says this, The Americans... We did not sustain a single injury. We didn't sustain a single death. He said, I mean, guys were dinged up a little. Guys had PTSD but from, from that battle, but every American made it home. Now, the reason I wanted to bring that story to you is that the Bible says that the war will emanate out of the Euphrates River region. These guys were fighting right there on the east and west side. The United States was on the east side of the Euphrates. I'm talking about right down on the banks in Deir Ezzor. And Russia, Russia, and the, the, uh, Russia and the mercenaries were on the west side. And they were coming across. And that's when our guys, 40 of them, fended off all of these tanks and different things until the Apache helicopters could get there. But when I'm a prophecy teacher, looking at this from a prophetic perspective, and I'm looking at... Russians and United States fighting. This was the worst battle, possibly the worst battle in that we have fought in Syria since 2014. I'm looking at this and thinking, you know what? World War III could have started that night. And, but it didn't. It di- everything kind of died down and we went along. There have been some scrapes with Iran and different things since then. Well, now, over the last several months, we've had... Russian military fighters, armed fighters, flying within 500 feet of our military planes. 
It's like they're trying to pick a fight here. And again, the United States and Russia, I can't tell you that enough times, they control 90% of the world's nuclear arsenal. That could be World War III tomorrow morning. But is it? It, it could completely die down and go away. The, 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 the Iran, Israel, United States thing, you say, could that go away? Man, I, if you understand history and the religious aspect of all of this, I don't see that ever going away. It's been happening for 40 years now, over 40 years. And it's a religious thing with Iran. They want to destroy Israel and they want to destroy the United States. Their goal is to implement Sharia law globally. Israel's the number one state sponsor of terrorism on the planet. It's this, that's not going to go away. The Russia-Ukraine thing, that could go away. The China-Taiwan thing could go away. But I don't think the Iran thing is going to go away. Are you saying, are Dave, are you, do you think that's going to be World War III? I, I simply do not know at this point what conflict will spark World War III. But I do know the Middle East region is the Turkey, Euphrates, uh, uh, Turkey, uh, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. It's one of the most volatile regions in the world. I mean, just a little spark there, folks. And the whole thing's going to go up in smoke. What if Israel decided to go ahead and bomb Iran's nuclear aspirations? What if that brought in China and Russia? I mean, there's a million scenarios that we could go over. But I I want you to understand, as our listening audience, that World War III is coming. And it's one of the next two. You've got the the World War III, the Six Trumpet War, and you've got the Israeli-Palestinian Peace Agreement that really looks like at this point that it's going to happen after World War III. It looks, it, from, in my opinion now, now it could happen before. This, the World War III scenario thing could go down uh, and die a little bit and then, uh, or I should say cool off, and then we could start a, a, sign a peace agreement and then World War III. But I, it doesn't look, that's highly unlikely that Israel would sign a peace agreement Start to build a third temple, and then boom, a World War III kicks off in the Middle East. And you, you know, I mean, it just it just seems unlikely if you understand wartime scenarios and different things that happen in history. But I can tell you that one of the two are next, and it looks like that the World War III scenario is going to be the next thing that we face. And so we need to look into how can we prepare for that. I may do some programming come up on maybe. Not necessarily full-on prepping, but maybe ways you could prepare for a World War III scenario, any kind of catastrophe. And uh, But number one, you got to be prepared spiritually. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills. But God has always provided. We started with the magazine then went on radio and TV. And now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is 
that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. You know, everyone, I wanted to talk about the timing of all of this. This isn't going to be, this isn't really going to be a a pre-post-trib, you know, all of the timing of all of it. No, no. This is going to be the timing of the end time and the, the way things are going to happen. A lot of people teach that the rapture will occur and then during the final seven years, we're going to have the seals, trumpets, and vials that will occur during the final seven-year period, and that the church is going to be gone and we won't have to face any of these things. But i got to tell you, that's a misinterpretation of Scripture. Because many of the, they and a lot of them say that, and I understand where they get it, but uh, or actually I don't understand, but... I can kind of see how they could get it if they really didn't understand the prophecies. When uh, the segmentation and the skeletal structure of the book of Revelation, um, the Bible says uh, in uh, Revelation chapter 4, 1, Come up hither, John, and I will show you things that will be hereafter. And when the Bible says, come up hither, John, they say, well, that's symbolic of the rapture. And the church isn't mentioned after that, and all these things happen after the rapture occurred during the final seven years. Okay. Number one, Revelation 4.1 is not the rapture of the church. Okay, we've got, to, we've got to get that out of the way. Number two, the seals. The first four seals have already been loosed. One of them, thousands of years ago. A, well, I should say over a thousand years ago. The, 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 the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the four colors of the horsemen, the white, red, black, and the if you look at the Greek word chloros, the green horse, the white horse, the Zechariah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8, these are symbolic spirits that will, the colors are symbolic of spirits that will control the ideologies of men in the end time, of mankind. Well, if you look at the four main spirits controlling the thought processes of men in the end time, you have white, it's Catholicism, I'm not going to take time to prove all that, but just trust me. Red, the red spirit in the earth, Communism, socialism, the black spirit, capitalism, and the green spirit, Islamism. Those four spirits, those four seals were opened. The Catholic Church found that in about 300, 325 A.D., uh, that, that was opened well over a thousand years ago. The first seal. And then you have the red horse. Uh, the, Karl Marx wrote his Communist Manifesto in, man, what, 1850? And then the last several hundred years, the capitalism has come on the rise, and then Islamism is now on the rise as well. So those are the four main ideologies of mankind today. Think about that. Catholicism, communism or socialism, capitalism, and Islamism. Those four seals have already been opened years and years and years ago. The fifth seal is the Great Tribulation, which is just ahead of us now. Then when we get to the trumpets, that's the part of the skeletal structure of the book of Revelation. The first five trumpets have already occurred. 
The trumpet number one, World War One. Trumpet number two, World War Two. Trumpet number three, this, the Chernobyl nuclear accident, uh, April 26, 1986. Uh, the trumpet number four, the uh, speeding up of time with the tearing down of the balloon wall, the process of globalization, and everything is moving at a lot quicker pace now. And then the uh, trumpet number five, the Iraq war with Saddam Hussein. So guess what? The next trumpet to occur is the sixth trumpet war. Revelation 9, verse 13 through 21. It's going to be World War III. And so when we look at the timing of all of this, why do we talk about this so much? Because I don't have to talk about World War I very much. That's already happened. That's occurred. We, we can prove that. And that's done. But this one here is, we're staring this one in the face, folks. This is the skeletal structure. But you need to get it set in your mind that the church will be here through this stuff. We've already been here through the first four seals. We've already been here through the first five trumpets. And if you don't get this stuff right, then you would think, well, we're going to be gone. This really can't be it. And all that stuff's the future when much of this prophecy has already taken pass. A vast majority of it has. And we're staring just a few prophecies left until the second coming of Jesus Christ, the battle of Armageddon. And so we need to ask God to help us. You say, well, how are we going to make it through these things? Number one, we're going to be led by the Spirit of God. We're going to follow the cloud like the, like the uh, Israelites did when they came out of Egyptian bondage. They, when they got out in the wilderness, what are you going to do now? Hey, yes, we left Egypt. Now what? We're out here in the desert. What do you do? Where do we go? Then this cloud shows up. And it's the Spirit of the Lord in a cloud form. And He's leading and guiding them. And where the cloud went through the day, they followed the cloud. And where the pillar of fire at night, if it was 3 in the morning, and that, cloud, that pillar of fire started to move, okay, everybody, pick up the tent stakes. We're following the fire. They had to, they had to learn how to be led by the Spirit of God through the wilderness. Well, guess what? We're in a wilderness in 2023 and over the next few years. And so, how are we going to navigate that wilderness? We're going to learn to be led by the Spirit of God. How in the world do you do that? Well, you've got to have a relationship with the Lord. You can't hear from God unless you have a relationship with the God you want to speak to you. You need to have a daily prayer life. And you say, well, I've, been, I've had God speak to me before, and I've had Him move on me. You may have, but He's done that in an effort to get you to draw closer to Him. But when you have a daily prayer life and you feel an unction from the Lord, you know it's God. And He can begin to lead and guide you. Now, <clears throat> if you go through the New Testament, the apostles had to learn how to be Spirit-led individuals. The Bible says in the book of Romans, they that are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And so that's how we're going to be. When we go, this is how I lead my life right now. When I go down here to the Vider uh, conference, prophecy conference this weekend. Many of you will meet us down there because we normally when we go to South Texas, we always have a big crowd. So I'll see you down there in Vider. Well, what I will do before I get there, I, matter of fact, I've already been praying. God, help me. Get, get, let your will be done in those services. There will be people there that come there to be healed. There will be people there that come there to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There will be people there that need deliverance in their life. We need God's presence in those services 
So you pray and you ask God, Lord, be with us. Uh, let, let me say the right things to get somebody to come down to an altar and give their life to the Lord. Folks, that is the absolute most important thing we can do to prepare ourselves for these coming events, regardless of what event it is. If I've got a relationship with the Lord and He's leading and guiding me, that's, that's the best way I can prepare. And then, yes, you know, uh, different uh, physical ways of preparation and things. We can talk about those. Uh, you know, how do you prepare for any kind of a catastrophe? Um, and like I told you, the scenario where Doug had, uh, he, Doug went to buy another generator over the last week or so because his stepmother didn't have, a gener- didn't have any electricity. He went to buy another generator and he said there was a line like you could not imagine. Well, imagine when, and that's when people had no electricity. Imagine when a World War III scenario kicks off. If you wait till then to kind of prepare, you say, well, are you saying we go to Colorado and live in a cave and, you know, have all kinds of food stored up? No, that's not what I'm saying. Because how are we going to do the Great Commission? Go ye into all the world, teach, baptize them and teach, and uh, evangelize the world. Teach and preach the gospel of the kingdom of God around the world. How are you going to do that living in a cave? Can't do that. So, we got a job to do. We've got to be led by the Spirit of God. Could I prepare some things? Sure. But I can't, I can't go to the point where I've got to isolate myself from the world. Number one, there's no place that you can, you can go that they can't find you. You say, well, I'm going to go live off grid. You can go ahead, but if, if, if they want to, somebody wants to find you, they can find you. I mean, let's just get real about this thing. And so, we got the, the safest place is... The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. The safest place is in a relationship with Jesus Christ and have my hand in His hand because He's already seen all this stuff play out. What better scenario could there be than to know somebody who already knows and has already seen it all play out and then says, okay, Dave, end time ministries. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to do this and lead. I'm going to lead and guide you through these things. I'm going to have my hand in the Lord's hand. The Lord is you think AI is smart. Come on. AI is a blip on the screen to God. That's nothing. It's total frivolity in the eyes of God. God is all-knowing. AI is not. And so I'm not looking to AI. I'm not looking to a, 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 a president of the United States. I'm not looking to a government. I'm not looking to anything but Jesus Christ, God Almighty. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresent. And so if I've got Him leading and guiding me, we'll make it through this stuff. And will we face some hard times? Possibly. But God will never leave you and He will never forsake you. Just because you go through a hard time, this is something we need to understand. Just because you go through a hard time, let's say you get on a little uh, financial pinch. Yeah, we, we, oh, God's forsaken me. No, He hasn't. The Bible says we're going to go through trials and things in this world. I've been through far, uh, uh, financial troubles. But that doesn't mean God forsook me. Maybe He's got to teach me something about finances. Maybe He's trying to uh, work on my pride. Maybe I mean, there's a million reasons. But the Bible says God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And the Bible says all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. So, if you're serving God to the best of your ability, and you fall on hard times, 
It does not mean God has forsaken you. You can be poor and go to heaven. Thank God. You can be rich and go to heaven. You can have something wrong in your body and go to heaven. It, just because uh, you, I had cancer on my forehead. They had to cut a big old gash out of my forehead. Uh, I developed a cancer on my forehead. But did that mean God forsook me? He didn't heal it. Think about this. He didn't heal that. I asked. I had Irvin Baxter pray for me. I had a bunch of ministers pray for me. Had cancer on my forehead. Guess what? I had to go have surgery and have it cut out. Did I complain to God because he didn't heal it? No. He simply chose not to heal it. I thank God it didn't get a lot bigger than it was. It was about the size of a nickel. And so I went and got surgery on it. And guess what? I kept serving God. Because God's never left me one time. He's never forsaken me. And that's how we're going to make it to the end times. You've got to get your mind stayed on Jesus Christ. Because I can tell you what, I can tell you a million times that He's helped me, that He's blessed me, that He's delivered me, that He's healed me, that He's healed my marriage, that He's, he's touched my kids, He's touched me and my wife, millions of times. That's how we live our lives. But if I've got to go through something here and there, that's not because God's forsaken me. So we've got to get our mind right going through these things in the near future. And so that's what we're here to do. We're here to help you. We're walking through this together. I'm just a normal person. Doug and Vince, End Time Ministries, I'm just normal people. We're trying to go through this together. I'm trying to hear God's voice. God help me navigate these things and help me to help others get through this stuff. That's what all this is about, folks. So, wow, man, I love you guys so much. All of us here at End Time, me and Doug and Vince and my wife Jana and all of us. We love you guys. We pray for you every single day. And we're, 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 working, we're trusting in the Lord to bring us through. And I'm telling you, He will. He's never failed me. He's never forsaken me one time. And I know He's not going to moving forward. God bless each of you guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow.